0: and those that are uh, online and, and those that are scared of Phil sitting on the opposite side here. <laughs> it's good to have you all here with us this morning and those uh, <clears throat> online, thank you for joining us. So every once in a while, usually monthly or Sometimes it's been a little bit more hit hit and miss than that. We uh, have a Sunday where in our worship time we sing the older hymns. And our reasons for doing this are several of them. Um, first of all, our regular worship team enjoys having a break every now and then. Ain't that right, Carrie? So we are thankful for... <clears throat> what they do and, and the effort that they put in every Sunday, and we're more than happy to give them a break. But <clears throat> excuse me. also uh, another reason for doing this is to uh, pass on these old hymns to the next generation and also just to uh, simply to bring them out and to have them minister to us as well. <clears throat> So, that's what we're going to be doing this morning, is singing some of the old hymns out of the songbook. I'm going to be leading a few of those, and then uh, Brother Dave's going to be leading a few songs. I'm not sure what he's got. I think he's got some uh, scripture songs that he wants to take us through, and a few things like that. We're going to break it up a little bit, so you don't have to just hear my voice all the time. So, Sometimes, uh, as we sing these old hymns, uh, there's several things that can happen. Either we think that we can't sing them well without uh, the instruments accompanying us, and it just kind of falls flat, or else we might look at them and think, "Ah, oh, well, that's you know, it's kind of boring," or whatever the case may be. It's not uh, you can't uh, see uh, Jason and Carrie up here doing their thing playing their instruments and uh, have to look at me instead and it might might, uh, not be as uplifting. (laughs) Thank you, Carrie. (laughs) I wasn't trying to step on your toes, Phil, don't worry. (laughs) Um, But I would encourage you to, let's just uh, put put our heart into it, try to Sing the harmony parts as well as you know them. That's one of the reasons I think that uh, people are packed into this side. If you can sit with people, if you know a particular part that you that you want to sing, and you're sitting with people that sing that part, it can uh, it can help you uh, carry that and, and uh, put out some extra volume and, and that kind of thing. And also, as as we do this occasionally, I would love to hear feedback from you. What what we can do to uh, make it more enjoyable, if you will, or to have, you know, people involved and 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 that kind of thing. Um, I don't want it just to be something that we do that can turn out to be rather dead. So uh, please feel free to share feedback. <clears throat> Along with that, uh, as we're singing in between songs, feel free to... Uh, Share your testimonies, your prayer requests. This is a this is a time of of uh, worship and uh, interaction for all of us. It's not supposed to be just me up here uh, leading songs. So, um, if you have a song that reflects your testimony for the week, or uh, even just a, a general testimony, whatever the case, please do share it. Jason, I'm glad you came. We need your voice here this morning. <laughs> Uh, Phil was complaining that no one was sitting close to him so please sit behind him and uh, <laughs> um. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to start here I'll do a we'll do a couple of songs I'll start out with one here uh, number 490 in your songbooks. it is well with my soul we're going to try to stick to songs that we pretty much know let's keep it fairly simple. I don't have a piano to go along with it, and when I do have that, it's easier to learn new songs, but for the most part, let's try to stick with the old familiar ones. And uh, after this song, you can feel free to uh, share your uh, testimonies and uh, also a few uh, selections. Number 490. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like So it, it is well, it is well, it is
2: well.
0: I think i've shared the story behind this song uh before how many of you remember that story remember the story to the song looks like there's a lot of you that don't and i'll give you a brief recap of it written by horatio spafford and uh, this was in the late 1800s i believe it was and uh to be going on a trip across the ocean and he sent his uh, wife and daughters ahead of him and it ended up that uh, the ship sank I'm not sure what the reason was behind that and I believe it was three daughters were all lost in in that uh, accident His wife I believe survived but when he uh, followed them in the next boat then, uh, as they were in the ocean close to the spot where the ship had sank that had claimed the life of his daughters, he uh, penned the words to this song, It is well with my soul. And just an incredible testimony of his uh, reliance on on God and understanding. Even in that time of Grief, understanding what really mattered. The music was written by Philip Paul Bliss, which is also another interesting story that he he died trying in in a uh, train wreck uh, where the train caught fire, crashed, and caught fire, and his wife was pinned in the fire, and he refused to leave her, and, and they both perished in that. But uh, both both men of God that uh, knew that it was well with their soul. So hopefully that's an inspiration for you this morning. All right, uh, selections, testimonies. Oh, you knew what I mean, Thank you. Number 23. God, he is alive. Here's a fun song to sing with the bass and the tenor taking the lead on the chorus, so uh, lead out on that, and I'll try to sing along with you guys as you sing the lead part.
1: There is beyond the azure blue A God concealed from human sight He tinted skies with heavenly hue And framed the world with His great might There is a God, He is alive From dust our God, created man, He is our God, the great I Am. There was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard. He is the God that we should know, who speaks from his inspired word. There is a God, he is alive. In him we live and we survive. From dust our From mortal mind, God holds a germ within his hand, though man may search, they cannot find, for God alone does understand, there is a God, he is alive. survive.
0: Amen. Thank you, John. 482, Saved by the Blood of the
1: Crucified One. Mm -hmm. Saved by the blood of the Crucified One. Now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and Saved by the blood of the crucified one. one, saved by the blood of the crucified one, the angels rejoicing because it is done, a child of the father joined there with the son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. save. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son. All hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the crucified say save, save my sin.
0: 891. Oh, my, do we know this one very well. How well do you know it, guys? Can we take a rain check on this one till we have a piano player? I'm not sure if I'm comfortable enough to lead it without a piano. <laughs> See if you can find another one. Sorry about that. Anyone else? 718? I sung it years ago, but I think it was actually as part of a medley of songs. Anyone else know it? You want to sing a solo, Jason? <laughs> it's up to you. I'll tell you what. Why don't we, uh, Let Dave come up here and do his thing, and then maybe I'll lead another one or two at the end of that from your selections. Dave, whatever you've got, I'm giving.
3: I'll just be right up front, I'm not as inclined as Anthony is on music, but I am very good on my air guitar, (laughs) (laughs) and piano, (laughs) Uh, but anyway, uh, you know sometimes we need to, uh, of course I'm not too used to these hymn books as of yet, Um, used to a different book than what we used to use a lot. But uh, sometimes we teach our children to, like, like, we don't want to forget. But sometimes it is kind of good to forget. Uh, so I just don't you need to just kind of forget about me, about your neighbor, and just give God all the honor and glory. One time there was this, uh, back in the old days, back in the Kentucky Hills and stuff, there was this man that had a pair of mules for sale put an ad in the paper and he had these mules for sale. And uh, the other gentleman seen his ad and he's like, I'm going to give him a call. Sure enough, they come out there and he, he's pretty impressed with him. And they agreed upon their lump sum and he loaded them
2: home,
3: got them on his trailer, took them home and um, got them out. He's pretty proud of this whole team, his mules and he just couldn't get him to work. He called the old previous owner up and he's like, I wonder what's going on. He said, Oh, they were raised by a Christian. And he's like, okay. He said, when you say, whoa, they stop. When you say, Praise the Lord, take off and go. He said, oh, okay. So he got him hitched up. He's going down the road. And he's like going along, like, praise the Lord. You know, they're going along. He's like, Whoa. He's feeling Pretty good about himself, and he gets up. He's one paying attention. He gets up to this cliff and it's like, whoa! And he just stopped right in time. He like, praise the Lord. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> I've got a little book here um, I've been very familiar with, and um, it's a lot of songs uh, like more of a, a praise or hymns um hopefully you'll know a few of them um and I'll try to bring out a few uh, hopefully I think we should probably know them um and then some of them are taken out of like Psalms and stuff so it's actually from the Bible um one is I will enter his gate with Thanksgiving in my heart anybody know that one let's see I'm sorry? Yes, sir. Uh, so this is actually taken from Psalms 100, verse 4, is where it's taken out of. Um, I think we'll, I'll just sing the first verse in the chorus. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice, for he hath made me glad.
4: I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice, for he hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice, for he hath made me glad.
3: Another one is, um, we bring the sacrifice of praise. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Okay, yeah.
4: <clears throat> we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we offer up to the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you, the
3: sacrifices of joy. All right, good to hear your voice, I'm glad you are uh, able to go along with these. Another one I really like is... Um, so, where the men lead out and the women do the echo. Come bless the Lord. Are you servants of the Lord? All right, good. <clears throat> Why well, don't we rise to our feet for this one, if you don't mind? And I think we'll go through this one twice. <clears throat> Come, bless the Lord,
4: all ye servants of the Lord, we stand by now in the house of the Lord. Lift up your
2: hand
4: in the holy place and bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. Come bless the Lord. All servants of the Lord. We stand by night in the house of the
2: Lord.
4: Lift up your The holy plain, and bless the
2: Lord,
4: and bless
2: the Lord.
3: This one. uh, Worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord. Y'all know that one? This one is taken from based on Revelation 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy,
4: thou art worthy, thou art worthy, oh Lord. Glory, glory and honor.
3: Seated. I picked out a couple of them here. Uh, like I said, I'm not too f- familiar with this book here, but if you turn to number 75, number 75, I sing the mighty power of God. And this has always been uh, a song that I've been really close to and near, near to my heart. Is just to realize the power of God, even in creation and um, what God has actually done for all of us. Y'all know this one, I Sing the Mighty Power of God? I think there's enough of them.
4: I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise that spread the flowing seas abroad, and build the lofty skies. I sing with wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with
2: food.
4: He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy Where'er I turn my eye? If I survey the ground I tread Or gaze upon the
2: sky
4: There's not a plant or flower below But makes thy glory And clouds arise and tempests flow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can. Thou God, our present there.
2: Amen. Amen.
3: Somebody have a testimony, maybe. I think I know um just want to make sure I know this team <clears throat> okay yep if not, we'll just kind of kick it over to our normal tune. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> All right. Unto the O Lord. Unto the O Lord.
4: Do I lift up my soul? Unto the O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that way only be ashamed. Yea, let none that way, on thee be ashamed, oh my God, I trust in thee, let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Remember not thus in love my you remember not thus in love my you
2: oh my
4: God I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me.
3: Amen. What prayer. I think one more. Uh, now I'm going to turn it over to Tony. Is uh, 529, 529. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I assume we know this one.
4: <clears throat> I know that my Redeemer liveth and on and I understand. I know eternal life He giveth, that grace and power are in His hands. I know, I
2: know
4: that Jesus liveth, and on the
2: throne
4: shall ever stand. I know, I know that life He giveth, that grace and power are in. Never fail the word he speaks it cannot die though oh death my flesh shall say yet I shall see him by and by I know I know. Jesus liveth and on his
2: throne
4: shall ever stand. I know, I know that life he giveth, that grace and power are in his hand. I know, he prepared that where he is there I may be. Oh, wondrous all for me he cares and he at last will come for me. I know, I know Jesus liveth and that his
2: throne
4: shall ever stand. I know, I know that life be
2: given,
4: that grace and
3: power. Maybe I was a little forgetting too much on this one. <laughs>
5: Is that on? There we go. See if we can get a world map up here. You can't see a world map? Me neither.
2: Huh?
5: The R is Russia? Not quite. Close, Brandon? I should have had them prepared for this. There we go, just pull up a big picture there. So, if you look here, can you zoom in on this? Uh, Right there, now slide over, go to the right of India. Uh Uh-oh, where'd we go here? Now we're in Kazakhstan, not quite what we wanted. That's India, go to the right, uh, down a little bit. That's Burma. That is, well, it's called Myanmar now. So this is Burma. The orange right here is all Burma. Right here is Thailand. There's Laos. China's up above it. And there's the country of Burma. So now scroll back out. I'll go back to the world map. So there we see... So that little, green, that little green speck there is Burma, this here is the United States, and we're about dead center of that A right there, between the A and the I. It's not very far to go, right? That wasn't so far, with, a, with an airplane flight now, that'd be pretty quick, but if you got to take a boat there, all the blue is water, how far do you think you got to go? What well, we're not—we don't have airplanes. They, back in the days of Adoniram Judson, shh. wooden ships—that's wooden ships, what it was. It's a long ways to go in a wooden ship around the south side of Africa, and all the way over. Right. I don't know. They might add steamships by then. Okay. Adoniram Judson and Anne Hasseltine were married on February 5, 1812, in Bradford, Massachusetts. Fourteen days later, the newlyweds set sail for India. That was quite the honeymoon. Off to India. They were going to be a part of foreign missions. The British East Indian Company, India Company, however, didn't want any missionaries to get in the way of their money-making and force them to leave the country. But where could they go? God had called them to preach the gospel to people who had never heard it. In faith, they boarded a ship heading for Burma a country hostile to foreigners, ruled by a king who had the power to decide who lived and died. In Burma, it was against the law to worship any other god than Buddha. But when they landed in Rangoon, Burma, the Judsons knew this was where God wanted them to be. Their first task was to learn the hard language bit by bit. Adonai worked on an English-Burmese dictionary and translated the books of the Bible. After six years, they baptized their First Christian convert. When the little church in Rangoon grew to 18, the Judson sailed up the Irwadi River to begin a mission in Ava, the royal city. Shh. Lukey, are you behaving? You're the oldest on the bench. No, you're not. Brad is older than you. He's older than you? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um. In 1824, war broke out between England and Burma, and the Burmese became suspicious of all foreigners, thinking they were English spies. Let me redo that. I put my periods and commas in the wrong spot. In 1824, war broke out between England and Burma, and the Burmese became suspicious of all foreigners, thinking they were English spies. Iram was thrown into the death into the death prison. After a year and a half of torture and misery, he was released to help translate the peace treaty between Burma and England. By then, the tropical fevers and stress had broken Anna's health. She died two years later. Two-year-old Marie died six months later. They had already lost a baby. Adoniram struggled with grief and doubt for several years, but in time finished his translation of the entire Bible. He died in 1850 at the age of 62 and was buried at sea. So, why do you think uh, do you think I would know anything about this? Yeah, there's a good spot. Hey, hi.
2: <laughs>
5: I wish I'd I wish I'd wore my my Corinne shirt. So the Corinne wear a very colorful shirt. Maybe I could wear it next Sunday when I read more about. Huh? I don't know where that came into it. Um, so it's a very colorful shirt that they hand make with all these different color threads. And they gave one to me. I think I still have it, right? Do I still have that one? You probably sold it at a yard sale. Um, all right, so, but they gave me one of these shirts, and you know, it was the Korean people, but you know what the Korean people, I found out about them? They still have a holiday, once a year, that they take a holiday, and you know who that holiday recognizes? Adoniram Judson. You know why? Because he brought the gospel to them, and they still... Even in all the churches I visited there and all the villages down alongside the Thailand-Burmese border there where the Korean people are, that is still who they base their faith back to is Adoniram Judson for coming over there. So don't. that was 18, what did we read? 1824, he died in 1850. That's quite a ways, how many years back? 150 years ago, right? Am I doing my math right? Who's smart in here? 170? Okay. So 170 years later, there are still people believing in Jesus Christ because of one man that was willing to go, and his wife, too. Let's not forget her. I'm sure she had a huge part in it. But we have to be willing to be used of God to allow him to work. And years and years later, we may not see what the seeds we planted and what the harvest may be, but the harvest will happen if we allow that, if we are just willing to even plant the seeds. All right, you guys can go back.
0: Going back. Thank you, Carrie, for that story. Thank you, Dave, for uh, leading us in those psalms and, and songs. I really enjoyed that. So uh, thank you so much for doing that. Um, Announcements. We, uh, as usual, have coffee and tea and whatever all in the back foyer there. Feel free to make use of that at any time. After the service, we will have lunch together. So there's plenty for all. So please stay and uh, enjoy that time of fellowship with us. This week, Wednesday evening, the 19th, We've uh, been announcing this for some time now, but the Miller family will be here sharing uh, their music and the Word with us Wednesday evening at 6.30. Am I right on that? I don't have that in front of me. So once again, feel free to uh, invite your friends and neighbors and enemies, whatever you have. Uh, (laughs) Tell them to come and and hear the Word and the music. Um, It'll be the time that's open for all. Um, any other announcements? I can't think of any offhand, so uh, let's turn it over to Phil, and he'll share the word with us this morning.
6: Taking just a moment to pray, I got a text from Brother Brian Stork. Some of you guys might remember him. Uh, Brian and Barb. Uh, he's he was here a few times. They are in the transition of moving from uh, South Dakota to here in Greeley. He his job transferred him down here, and he and I have been in touch. They've they've been back and forth. They're still not settled here, uh, but he just texted me this morning and said, please add Barb to your prayer list. She tore her meniscus. Is that how you say it? Okay. on Thursdays, we are hoping they can get her into surgery tomorrow in Minneapolis. She will stay with our daughters while she heals. She's in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. So let's just take a moment and pray for Brian and Barb, especially for Barb. Father, we come to you in Jesus name. We ask you that you would touch Barb. Lord, as she deals with this physical pain, many times there's discouragement and our hearts cry out to you, why, Lord, why? I pray that this morning, you wouldn't show her why, but you would show her what? Purpose that you have in her pain. And you would open up a door for Brian and Barb to minister the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus to the doctors and nurses, to the staff around her. And Lord, I pray that you would do a miraculous touch of your grace on our heart and your healing in her body. Lord, we just lift her up together today. We pray that your grace would be strong on Brian's heart. You would give them your peace. In Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Prayer does help, you know. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's one more thing. I don't see Lael here this morning, but I want to recommend to you a book. It's, the title is Come Away My Beloved. So, Lael recommended this book to me after preaching for three or four sermons on the intimate marital relationship, being the bride of Christ, and our relationship to Him. She said, Phil, you ought to get this book and read it. So, I ordered it, and I was so blessed, I ordered about 10 of them, uh, and I put some copies back there on the table. If you want one, you can get it on Amazon for a few dollars, but also help yourself. This lady, Frances J. Roberts, speaks a lot. She writes in the form of God speaking to us, and it's taken out of the Song of Solomon. How many of you have ever read the Song of Solomon? Yes? Have you read it lately? You should. I highly recommend it. If you're looking for a deeper, more personal loving relationship with jesus christ as your personal bridegroom you married to him read the song of solomon it'll do that for you for many years in my christian life i didn't know what to do with that book i was half embarrassed to read it because solomon becomes pretty graphic in his description of love and i didn't understand it until one day the lord said to me phil This whole book is centered on that book. This whole Bible that you like to read and say you believe in is hinged. You know what what a hinge does to a door? When you have a door that has a hinge, the hinge is fastened to what we call a stud post. And that hinge, that door has some weight. And the hinge holds that door from sagging or falling off. This whole truth is hinged on the Song of Solomon. And the reason I say that is because he most accurately, explicitly describes Jesus' heart of a bridegroom and the relationship he wants with you and with me, every one of us. He wants to live as our bridegroom. And when you only serve him as a master, you still are underneath the old covenant relationship. And you might see God relating to you as the children of Israel did through Moses. With a rod, ready to strike. Ready to make you drink your idol. You know, that's what Moses did when he came down from the mounts he was so angry. The people had built this golden calf and had, were dancing around it and saying, Oh, you brought us out of Egypt. How stupid. What golden calf can bring anyone out of Egypt? Was it the golden calf that parted the Red Sea? Of course not. But you see, Moses had been up in the mountain for 40 days. More than a month. And Moses was their leader. And so they said, We don't even know what happened to this Moses and his God. Let's just make a golden calf and proclaim it came out. Moses came down. He was so angry. He broke it and smashed it to pieces, and he put it in water, and he made everybody drink it. Do you serve God that way? That when God wants to deliver you from an idol, he'll make you drink it? Or do you see God in the face of Jesus Christ Like the Hebrew writer says. Listen to these words in Hebrews chapter twelve. I have to find it. I my Bible is being rebound and I know where everything is on the page, and now I have to find it on the page. Uh, in this Bible, I'm not used to it, so bear with me. Verse 18, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness, and gloom, and a whirlwind. That's how God came down on Mount Sinai. And if even as an animal touched the mountain, they were dead. God came down and the mountain smoked with a furnace. You can go back and read it. You have not come to a mountain and to the blast of a trumpet and to the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word should be spoken to them. They were sure they were all going to die when God spoke to them. When you hear the voice of God, is it a sentence of death to you? Dear brother, sister, child of God. Now, if you're not born of the Spirit of God, it is a sentence of death to your self-life. That must die for you to be born again of the Spirit. But when you are born of the Spirit of the living God, And you've been adopted into his family. And you've strayed away into a life of sin or selfish ambition or pride. Or whatever it may be that has drawn your heart to other loves. Don't come to this mountain. Jesus isn't there. And if you experience God in your mind. You come to him with this voice that when God speaks to you. You don't want to hear anymore because you're sure you're sentenced to death. Dear brother, sister, you're still under the old covenant kind of relationship with God. And Jesus is promising a better promise than that. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. Verse 21. But you have come To Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To myriads of angels. Where one. I'm adding. Where one. Where. When one sinner repents. What do those myriads of angels do? There is more joy in heaven. Over one sinner that repents. And all of you who live righteously every day. That much joy. That's the joy you come to. When you want to repent from your sin. And to the general assembly. And church of the firstborn. Who are enrolled in heaven. And to God. The judge of all. Still the same God. And to the spirits of righteous men. Made perfect. And to Jesus. That's who you come to. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel speak? Someone know? Anyone want to tell me? What did the blood of Abel cry out to God when Cain killed him? Cain, God said when he came to Cain, Cain, what did you do? And Cain said, What are you talking about? And God said, The blood of your brother is crying out from the ground to me. What was it crying out? Someone know? Justice. Vengeance. Don't let him off the hook. He's guilty. The blood of Abel cried for justice but not so with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, as he was nailed to the cross, did not cry for justice. He cries, Father, forgive them. That's the difference. Have you come to him with all your failures, with all your sin, with all your rebellious heart, with all your undoneness, and even all your righteousness. you come to him regularly? That's the new and living way, Hebrews 10 says, that is made for us to now come to God with. You may turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Today, I would like to look at this chapter as a call to each one of us to come and sacrifice. You see, God calls everyone from the first time that men, it's recorded to us that men approached God after man sinned. God has called us to come and worship through sacrifice. So let's read Romans chapter 12. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, not a dead, a living and holy, not a dirty, a clean, the word holy simply means clean, a living and clean sacrifice. By the way, the first thing the priests did after they slaughtered the sacrifice was they washed it in the laver, in the pool of water, to make it clean before they laid it on the altar. The Lord is looking for a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't forget that. Now, some translations say, which is your reasonable service. I like the New American Standard translation, Because it is the closest, they say, to the Greek, original Greek translation. To me, this is more meaningful because sacrifice has always been an act of worship. From the first recording we have of it in the scripture, Abel's sacrifice was an act of worship. And so now the Holy Spirit is calling you and me. Notice the urgency. I urge you, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present, come, present your body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable or well-pleasing and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment. Or the Greek original meaning is. Clear thinking, clear thinking. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, fingers, ears, nose, eyes, yet I'm all one. Phil Lap. My eye doesn't say I'm not Phil Lap. My ear doesn't say I'm not Phil Lap. My leg doesn't say to the ear, what part do you have with me? I'm not connected to you. We're all one body. Just as we have many members, all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members, one of another. My ear is connected to the head. My finger is connected to my ear. Is it? Yes, it actually is. Through the arm, there you get to the ear. My legs are connected to my nose through the rest of my body. So individually, though we are many, all different, having different functions, are connected to each other and are controlled by the head. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us having a different function, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If serving, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches, in his teaching, or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy. With cheerfulness. Essentially what he's saying. Is all these different functions. He's mentioning numerous of them. Should all be done in faith. Believing that God. Has created you. To be this function. In the body. And when you function. Your created spiritual gift. That purpose for which. You have been created for. You must do it. With to Christ. Believing he's created you to be this function. Outside of that faith, it'll be a dead work. Both to you and to others. Let love be without hypocrisy. In another place he says, let everything you do be done in love. Stop pretending to love. Love. For real. Let All your gift, your gift, be a loving act to others. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. Do you do that? I'll tell you, that's a sure way to deal with temptation. When you begin to hate evil and love good, something transforms your heart because we were created naturally to love evil and hate good. But when the Holy Spirit comes down and He makes us like Christ and Christ is birthed within us, now Christ lives in us, the Spirit that lives in Him will raise us up to do this very thing. It tells us that in in Hebrews that He loved righteousness and He hated iniquity. Therefore, because of that, God anointed him with the oil of gladness. The oil of joy was his strength. If you're missing joy, check out what you abhor and what you hate. Examine it. You might need to change it. Cling to what is good. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. To me, the exercise is really simple. How do you deal with mud? You like to be muddy? I don't see any mud on anybody's face. But if I, whoa, spill some water, if I maybe met you at your workplace or maybe a mom out in her garden or mowing the yard or whatever you do that you have contact with dirt right now because of all the moisture we've had, you're probably a bit muddy. How do you deal with that? You like mud? some kids do right yeah you love to play in the mud throw rocks in the mud isn't that fun but how would you like to actually stay muddy all night and go to bed muddy anybody like that no volunteers to go to bed muddy no that's how simple it is when you walk through the day sometimes you sin maybe not intentionally but something catches you and you say something or you become frustrated Or whatever it is that changes your attitude that isn't perfect like Jesus' attitude, it's sin. Or maybe you become discouraged. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Maybe you become a little puffed up and proud and think, I really am somebody. I did something. Maybe somebody (laughs) cheers you up. You know, yeah, you are so awesome. You really did well. And you begin in your heart to say, yeah, I kind of think too I'm awesome. And you lose your sound judgment. Sin. Mud got onto your face. Your heart becomes muddy. You go to bed that way? No. That's a problem. Cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 7 tells us. And so this is a normal, regular process. Just like we shower regularly. And we don't feel bad about showering we gladly get in the shower, right? And we enjoy it because it cleans off the dirt. Even if I don't get super muddy and I'm in my truck all day or in the office, I still enjoy the cleansing of a shower. It takes off kind of the, you know, just walking through the air, you pick up particles of dirt somehow and sweat and it cleans your body. And so... When you begin to abhor what is evil and you cling to what is good, you quickly come for a cleansing to present your body a living, clean, holy sacrifice. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Notice who you're serving, the Lord. Rejoicing because something good happened to you. Is that what makes you rejoice? Or what gives you joy? Here he tells us, rejoice in hope. When you hope for something, hope gives you joy. When hope is faith and not just wishful thinking, it gives you joy. Persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. But associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil. Respect. What is right in the sight of all men? If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble, tells us in Psalms. Never take your own revenge, beloved, because if you do, God will step back and say, okay, you did it. Now I won't. But if you won't, he will. He did it for Abel and he'll do it for you and me. When someone wrongs you, do not take your own revenge or God will remain silent and inactive in that part. And I tell you, dear brother, sister, when you choose to come before God and forgive and cry out that God will have mercy. God does take revenge when evil is done to you. On that person. And you know how he takes revenge? He calls them to salvation. He brings conviction of sin in that person's heart. To save them. from the And deliver them from that sin. And there's no greater revenge than that. That's the revenge Jesus sought and still seeks to give through you and me to others. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Have you ever done that? Now, if you're going to do that, seeking revenge, the coals aren't going to burn. There'll be dead coals. Because whenever personal human revenge is taken, it never, get this, it never ministers conviction of sin to the heart. You know what happens? Gun for gun. Fist for fist. Oh, you want a fist fight? I'll fight. Somebody cuts you off, they'll cut you back. You cut them back, they'll cut you back again. This is good. Everybody loves a good fight, right? May the strongest one win. And how sad, how utterly, pathetically sad that the Holy Spirit in the church, in your life, in my heart remains a silent witness to the whole scene and maybe even eventually just walks away. And we are left to ourselves. To fend for ourselves. And there's no conviction of sin. In you or in them. But God. I believe. Allows evil to be done to his children. One of the reasons is for this very purpose. The very purpose that he allowed it to happen to Jesus. That through Jesus sacrifice, and the greatest evil that men could ever do is sacrifice and kill the Lamb of God and say, may His blood be on us and our children. And yet Jesus wanted to save them through the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. And He did. Just a few weeks later, poured out His Spirit, over 3,000 of them, and they were saved and then 5000 and they were saved and many of the priests who were yelling crucify him crucify him were born again just a short time later because Jesus forgave and he knew the power of forgiveness brings conviction of sin to the soul and that that is the ultimate victory you want to overcome your enemy Pray for them, love them, and bless them, Jesus said. That brings conviction of sin. Any of your revenge only stirs up strife. And that's why it's still true, Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. but like grievous words, stir up anger. Which one are you doing? Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So I present to you this truth in this chapter today. The way, the path, the only way you and I can overcome evil, person, personal sin, or sin around us being done to us or to others. The only way we can overcome sin is by presenting our bodies, first of all, as an act of worship. That overcomes sin. And when you and I are in the constant act of worship, presenting our bodies as a living holy temple, that overcomes all the dirtiness around us and cleans other men's hearts. Because the Holy Spirit takes that act of worship and inspires others and brings them, draws them to worship as well. When your gift is not sacrificed, your brother, sister, when your gift is not sacrificed on the altar of worship, it becomes a means of control and manipulation over others and you know who you become you become this guy in Luke actually I'll first turn to Matthew 24 in Matthew 24 Jesus warned us about a person who is a servant who's been given responsibility in God's kingdom but this is what he does verse 45 of Matthew 24. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave? He's faithful, and he's sensible, a good man. Whom his master put in charge over his household. God gave you responsibility, husband, father. God gave you responsibility, mother, over other souls, young people. God has given you each responsibility, perhaps from watching others. Others who are younger, maybe you have a responsibility on your job. You're faithful and you're sensible with it. That's good. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, I want you to notice. You can be faithful and sensible and still be evil. Did you get that? You can be a faithful, sensible, but evil slave. And I'll tell you in a little bit how. If that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time. They said Jesus was going to come back many, many years ago. I remember really well when in 2000, everybody was sure it was the end of the age and Jesus was surely going to come back in the year 2000. Well, it's 20 years later, and he hasn't come back. So maybe he'll come back in a long time from now. In the meantime, I have a responsibility to do and a gift to give to the church. I have responsibility in my home, over my children, over my wife, or at workplace, over others. Maybe in the church to serve others, and and maybe I, I feel like now I'm in control. I have a little bit of control. Ah, oh, we love controlling don't wait. We? we do. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and shall begin to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards. Eating and drinking with the drunkards to me is simply wasting your time. Everybody, nobody would argue, even the drunk who faithfully gets drunk every night would not say he's redeeming his time and he's doing well with his time. He would totally admit, I'm wasting my life. But I just what I do. Eating and drinking with the drunkards is simply wasting your time instead of redeeming it. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know, and shall cut him in pieces... And assign him a place with the hypocrites. Weeping shall be there and gnashing of teeth. A strong warning to those who take their gift. And with selfish ambition exercise control over others. If you do that in the church. You need to repent dear brother sister. And believe me it's real. I stand before you as one who's done this too many times had good intentions, but instead of taking those that heart of what I thought was love and care and bringing it as a sacrifice to God and laying it on the altar, I took it in my own hands and through the arm of flesh exercised my authority which became a means of control and manipulation in the church over other people. And these last few years, especially, I've been on a journey of repentance from all that, dear brothers and sisters. Because the Lord has given me this strong warning, I find you using your gift, your spiritual responsibility, beating on others. This will be your end unless you repent. Because I hadn't given you the gift to beat it on others, to control others, to manipulate others. I gave it to you so that you can worship me and serve me and encourage others, construct others, and build each other up. When the gift, your gift, is not sacrificed on an altar of worship, it doesn't become an act of worship to God. It becomes your human effort, and you will, in good heart, maybe good effort, you'll be deceived thinking, I have this responsibility and I need to control the situation. And when you're in control, guess who is not? The Holy Spirit is not in control. To me, the most beautiful illustration of this is in Genesis 22 with Abraham. You can go back and read it sometime. Abraham was given a promise, a gift of Isaac as his son, the son of promise of where he was going to become a great nation. And it was an act of faith that he claimed that promise and that he received that promise. But the Lord needed to do something with Abraham. He needed to test him. And you'll read there in Genesis 22, it says, and God decided to test Abraham. And God tests his children, you and me, faithfully, because he knows that if he gives you and I a gift and it's not sacrificed back to him as an act of worship, it will destroy us and others. It will become a tool of a manipulation and control and puff us up with pride. And that will be the downfall. Before you know it, God will have to be resisting us, fighting us as we try to serve him with our gift. God himself resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And in Romans 12, the three main words you'll see is this. That you minister according to the gift. You minister with faith by grace. You have faith. You believe. You do it through that faith and you receive help. Holy Spirit comes. And ministers grace gives life to everything you say and do. And you do it in love. There's no hypocrisy. It's for real. An act of love. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham takes Isaac. And he takes him on a three-day journey. And I find that the Lord oftentimes doesn't do this like in a snapshot. On a moment on my knees. No. The Lord says, I want you to take this gift and you must do something. And that journey is like, it takes a while to go there to test us, to see if you're really going to follow through with it or if you're not going to. And it's going to take faith for you to take what you received from God and now take it back and give it back to God. You release the control of that back to him. It took Abraham three days. And you know where God led him? to the mountains called Moriah. And this is the first time in Genesis 22 that the word worship is recorded in the Bible. The first time that you can read that men worshipped God. Abraham said to his servants, stay here, my son and I will go on to worship. And on Mount Moriah is where in 2 Samuel chapter 24, you'll read where David, after he had sinned in counting the people of Israel, he came and he met the angel there. And David said, I'll buy this hill from you. to I forget the guy's name. And he bought it. And David said, I will not worship the Lord with something that doesn't cost me anything. Because the guy just wanted to give it to him. And David said, no, no. I'm buying this piece of land. And that, is where David worshiped. And that hill is where David built the temple Solomon built. David consecrated that hill. And that's where the temple of worship was built, where Abraham sacrificed Isaac. The first time that worship was mentioned. And I say this to you, dear brother, sister. You want to worship God is a lot more than just you coming here and singing praises and lifting up your hands and doing your thing. That may not be worship at all. It may be a sacrifice of praise. But if your heart hasn't come back with your gift and released it back to God and sacrificed it to the altar and believed God that God was going to bring it back to life. You can read in Hebrews 11, this step of faith in Abraham's heart, he did willingly and gladly because he believed God would raise him from the dead. He believed God was going to do another miracle. First miracle was a natural birth. Second miracle was a spiritual birth. And that was the significance of exactly what still happens in you and I's hearts today. God needed the second In Abraham's heart. And it was as a a sign of the new birth. That which is natural must be sacrificed for it to become a spiritual act of worship. And if you and I don't do it, all we give to God is our natural. And the natural becomes demonic. If you come to God with what is natural, it will turn you into a demon inside. I'll share that with you. It's not my words. In James chapter 3, he's speaking of heavenly wisdom. And he says, that which is... If any anybody lack wisdom, do you feel like you need wisdom? Let him ask of God, who gives to him liberally and doesn't withhold it. Verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who among you is wise and understanding? Will you bring that wisdom and understanding to someone who you think needs it? Will you share it with someone? If you do so, without it becoming an act of worship, this is what it becomes. Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy... And selfish ambition, that's what turns you into a devil in your heart. That's what the devil had that made him the devil. He wasn't the devil forever. He was one of the greatest angels in heaven. But he began to have selfish ambition to be more than what God had created him to be. And it turned him into the devil. If you do not take that selfish ambition and give it to God, your service to God will turn devilish. And if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing happens. I've experienced it. I confess it. And you probably have too, if you're honest. And that's why it's so important, dear brothers and sisters, as we come to sacrifice to God, that we come with that heart of surrender, giving back to God, even the very promise that He's given to us. And it becomes the act of worship. And it's where God will put His name forever. His presence filled the temple. And... It becomes a house of worship. Your body becomes a house where he is worshipped in whatever you do. It is exercised by grace through faith. Now everything you do becomes an act of faith. You believe God is calling you to do it, you do it. And some Christians think these words are too strong. I've heard them say so. Whatever is not of faith is sin. It's true. Romans 14 says that. You know what he's talking about? Eating and drinking. What? You're going to come over here and take your plate and choose your food in faith? Well, if you don't, it will become sin to you. you have faith to believe that or not? You know how many Christians do that without even thinking about Jesus? Oh, we say grace real quickly. But in our hearts, eating and drinking has never become an act of worship. But that's what he's talking about. That eating and drinking becomes an act of love to others, which then becomes an art, an act of worship to God. This is what God is calling us to do. That whether we do the simplest, most necessary things in life, it becomes a life of faith, of obedience to Christ. Now you can become very introspective and like walking on eggshells and oh, what if I don't worship? What if I? Don't? We're not talking about that. We're talking about a, and a heart that's in love with Jesus Christ. And whether you eat or drink, you do it because you care what he thinks. And as a married couple, it's amazing how as a married man, my when I married Katie, my taste buds all of a sudden began to change. I didn't eat much salad and I didn't care for much gourmet food. And my mom was always kind of a, um, you know, meat and mashed potatoes and and gravy, and kind of person. I mean, we ate some greens, but we weren't super health conscious. I'd love to drink my pop and uh, all the other unhealthy stuff that may be out there. Yeah, still broke out. I'm not saying that's sin, but when I got married, my wife began to care about that. She's like, honey, you shouldn't drink so much pop. Honey, you really shouldn't drink so much coffee. I I, you know, it gets you all jittery and shaky and and just, just calm down. Maybe you shouldn't overwork so much. Her opinions began to matter to me. It wasn't a law that put me to death and I began to change because I loved her. It was an act of love. Is your eating salad an act of love? For Jesus, your eating and drinking can also become an act of of fellowship and love. Jesus wants that from us. And it becomes an act of faith. Sacrifice without faith will become a dead work. Don't ever forget it. You'll lose all meaning and all purpose in it. You're coming to church. You're listening to me preach or anyone else. You reading your Bible, you praying can all become meaningless to you. There's nothing in it. It does nothing for you. You do it because you want to have a good conscience that day. You feel bad if you don't, so you do it. You're saying grace before you eat. You don't want to feel bad, so you do it. And so you get to live your life of sacrifice to God, and it's nothing but a dead work. There's no life in it for you or for others around you. It becomes an act of judgment to others. Those people don't do it. I'm convicted. I must do it this way. They should too. What's the matter with them? And you become that life. That sacrifice becomes a smoldering flax. It simply becomes a sacrifice instead of a burning fire that brings light and heat, a smoldering fire to God. And God says that your self-righteousness becomes, in Isaiah 65, he says, when you are self-righteous and you say, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them, you begin to despise others. You're like smoke in God's eyes. That guy's just a smoking flax. Do you know what God does to smoking flaxes? It tells us another place in Isaiah, what Jesus will do if your life is nothing but a smoldering flax. Will really he take cold water and dump it over you and make sure you go out? No. Watch out. Jesus is gonna breathe on you. You know what happens when you do that to a fire that's just smoldering smoke? It begins to get warm, hot glows and sparks, and eventually there comes a flame. So if you're a smoldering flax, or some area in your life, you see is nothing but a dead work. You've been doing it just for a good conscience sake. And there's no eternal life in it. Jesus will blow on that with sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when he does, receive it. Let it bring that back into a flame of love. Else it'll just turn into a dead dead work sacrifice is what Cain brought. This was the difference between Abel and Cain. Abel came with faith in his sacrifice. The reason I know the difference is because that's what it says in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, he was the first example of faith the Holy Spirit sets in front of us in the chapter of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel came. And then Cain also brought his sacrifice. And what did Cain's sacrifice produce in him? Jealousy, selfish ambition, anger, resentment, that God didn't accept his sacrifice. But he didn't do it in faith. He didn't do it because he believed God wanted him to do it. He just did it because maybe because Abel did it, and he didn't want to be left out. He also wanted God's blessing. So maybe there was some selfish ambition. I want God's blessing on me, so I'm going to do it. You know how many Christians serve God that way? That's a selfish ambition. Don't come to God with your sacrifice like that. For some self-interest, come to him as an act of worship. And you'll have his blessing. He warns us in Jude, don't go the way of Cain. That warning is for us today. You can read it in Jude, verse 11. Don't go the way of Cain. It's a dead word won't bring you life. Oh well, when I think of the act of sacrifice of my life, my life becoming an act of sacrifice, I think of Psalm 40. You can turn your Bibles there. In Psalm 40, I'll just read you this one verse. And to me, they're, they're, that delight of the sacrifice is so important, dear brother, sister, because without it, you quickly become a dead work. And Hebrews urges us, cleanse yourself from dead works. It's the old way. Cleanse your body. And so I say to you, dear brother, sister, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, if your life, if you see in your life that you've been making sacrifices that are dead works, cleanse the dead work. Don't put away the sacrifice. Cleanse the deadness from it. And let the Holy Spirit breathe life on it. And that that act will become an act of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you'll experience eternal life in it. In Psalm chapter 40, Psalm 40, you see the, the heart of David here. And David says in verse 6, Sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired. My ears thou hast opened. burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. Then I said, when he seen that, David said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. That delight in your sacrifice only comes through worship. Real, true acts of worship. The Lord spoke so strongly to me this week on this. We're going through a move, and we're doing it because we believe God called us to do it. I said, Lord, there's no selfish ambition in it. I'd rather just stay there. I believe God. So we're doing it in faith. But when that faith becomes tested, Just like Abraham. As he followed God, and you find God testing your faith. And that sacrifice becomes strain, stress, frustration. Things go wrong. You begin to say, ah, this is stressful. This is frustrating. And the Lord said to me, Phil, make it an act of worship. If you, Take this change I'm bringing in your life. And you come and you put it on the altar and you give it back to me. I'll give you grace. And now you can do it with help from above where the Holy Spirit picks you up, gives you peace through a stressful situation, gives you joy as you deal with the trials of it. And you do it in love whole thing becomes an act of love. That's worship. Will you come and worship Will you come and worship him with your life? Each day, turn your life into an altar of worship. For those of us who will, the blessing of Abraham
0: Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word with us, and a great reminder of how to use the gifts that God has given us, and, you know, there isn't anyone of us in here that can uh, listen to that and say, well, that's, that's for other people. That's for the people that are in leadership in the church, or whatever the case may be. So, because wherever you are, in church, in the home, in the workplace, God has given each one of us gifts to use for him, and I think those, those principles apply to each one of us, no matter where God has us. So, great reminder for all of us. Thank you, Phil. Anyone else have anything to share real quick before we dismiss for lunch? you, it's, it, it's good to have you here, and that's, that's what the church is for, and uh, we do that with joy, so thank you for being here. Okay? Okay. What's his name? Jeff, I want to take a moment to uh, pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you that we can come to you in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And, and there are so many unexpected things that, that can happen in, in life, whether it's with health or anything else. But we know that we can come to you boldly to your throne of grace, knowing that you do hear and answer. And so in that we come to you in behalf of Jamie's friend Jeff, Father. I pray that you would meet him where he's where he is now. That you would touch his body and bring healing to him, and that uh, most of all, Father, you would minister to his spirit and to his soul, and help him find strength in you. And I just pray that you would uh, that your will would be accomplished in his life. It sounds like a lot going on.
6: Father, we lift up John before you and Maggie. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them and their family. As they walk through these uh, adventures, I pray, Lord, that you would be their shepherd and they would know that you're leading them and you would give them grace. Lord, you know how these changes and busyness can bring a, a, a sense of, overwhelmingness, they can overwhelm us, Lord. And I pray that your grace would be sufficient for them. In Jesus' name.
0: All right. Well, let's all stand to our feet. And we'll uh, conclude this portion of our meeting. And uh, lunch is next. So everybody please stay and enjoy that. Papa, you want to leave? thank you, Lord, for meeting with us this morning again, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the great sacrifice you've made for us, Lord, that we could be redeemed, Lord, and now help
5: us, Lord, to be at the same love for you and sacrifice for one another and the world, whoever we can also, Lord, we thank you. Thanks
0: for your forgiveness, Lord, and just being with us today. Bless our fellowship, Lord, and we thank you for the food. May you just bless it to our bodies. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yes.